Hello and welcome to Why It Matters. I'm your host, Melissa Hutchins. Let's find out why your relationship with God matters. For anyone who doesn't know me personally, I want to introduce myself just real quick. Like I said, my name is Melissa. I am Apostolic Pentecostal, and this is primarily geared toward other people in my faith. However, please stay and listen even if you're not apostolic. You might get something out of these episodes even if it's just a little bit more information about the wild Pentecostals. Now, I started this podcast because I felt it was important for younger newer and curious people to have a thing they can passively listen to and learn a little bit more about why we believe what we believe and why things that we've been taught actually matter. I have an introduction mini so trailer thing up if you're interested in the full story of me and the backstory of this podcast. All that said, let's get into it. We hear all the time that your relationship with God is vital to your salvation, but it never really seems to go beyond that in terms of explanation. I figure the best way to explain this is to use an analogy. When my husband and I were dating and engaged, I wrote down some thoughts comparing our relationship to my relationship with God. For example, I wanted to talk to Frank all the time, but he had to work or study or sleep or do other things, and so I waited, sometimes not so patiently. How many times do we make God wait for us while we scroll on social media and while we watch random videos, while we continuously say, I'm busy right now, can I call you back later, Lord? So for this episode, I wanted to sort of explore how our spiritual relationship is similar to relationships down here. The Bible calls the church the Bride of Christ, or the Lamb's Bride, depending on where you look. And since Christ is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, I think it's safe to say that these two phrases mean the same thing. So what do we do when we're dating? How do we get to be the Bride? Well, down here, we'll probably introduce ourselves, discuss our likes and dislikes, and make some small talk. Maybe we'll even make plans to hang out again. So this initial meeting with God is made a little bit easier because he already knows us. We just have to find out about him. So if we've been raised in church, we've run into him a few times. We've heard about him, seen him with others. But then one day we notice him. We notice his love for people, his kindness, his just judgment. We notice his beauty as he moves throughout the church, and we decide to finally approach him. I don't know about you, but when I finally decided to pray during an altar call, I almost got the Holy Ghost. I had to keep seeking for years, but that first time seeking the Holy Ghost, I could have gotten it. I had waited and observed and made the decision to seek after him until I knew him personally. So anyway, after we approach him, we talk to him. We pray, and he hears us, and he speaks back. And then we make plans to hang out, which in this analogy is us deciding to live for him, to pray daily, read the Bible daily, and otherwise live a holy life. And so that's how it begins. That's the beginning of our relationship with God. 
Now, as we go further into that relationship, we begin to hopefully die to our sins. So we're deciding to be faithful to God and God alone. Exodus 34 and 14 tells us that God is a jealous God. And what person in a relationship isn't jealous? We don't want to share our mate with another, so it isn't unreasonable to assume that God doesn't want to share our worship with another. But maybe we slip. That happens. In a relationship, it might look like a misunderstanding or a fight. In our walk with God, maybe it's a sin that we've committed or something goes wrong and we've blamed God. Sometimes we question God. But then we make up. We repent. We come crawling back to God saying we know we messed up. We promise it won't ever happen again and we make every effort to make good on that promise. And then finally, he proposes. In lieu of a ring, he offers his Holy Spirit, and we accept, and to show it off to everyone around, we speak in tongues. We speak a language that we've never learned before. We walk around the rest of the day, the week, or the month with the biggest smile on our face, bragging to our friends and loved ones about our betrothed. We get baptized in Jesus' name, and it's like taking on his name. And this is where my analogy admittedly gets a little fuzzy, but stick with me. We take on his name and he washes every sin, every mistake, every wrong word, every wrong action, and he forgets it all, every bit of it. And then we move on in bliss until the day of the wedding. We have tiffs here and there, you know, we have to repent here and there, and sometimes we don't feel like talking much. Down here, maybe we get into a busy cycle and we're just trying to help our partner. Me personally, I don't want to be just another tool in my husband's shed, only to be retrieved and utilized when needed. I want to be his companion, his helpmeet that I was created to be. But isn't that what I do with God? I come to him to ask for help in whatever situation I probably got myself into, and then he never hears from me after I say a quick thank you. How rude of me. How disappointing for him. He created us, offers to help us, helps us well, and we say thanks and move on? Shouldn't we at least talk to him for a little bit? And so I repent. I make things right. And then we go back to our communicating daily. We have our dates, hanging out at church, professing our love one for another, me through my worship and he through blessing my worship. Just one more example. Well, maybe a couple more examples to compare these two types of relationships is the classic double text conundrum. How many times have we poured out our hearts via text message while our partner worked or slept and then a short while later sent another text? Our partner gets to the phone and he responds to the second text, completely forgetting the emotional diary that you just typed out through tears. How achingly pitiful. But how many times have we done that to God? Sure, we know the key scriptures like Acts 2.38, Genesis 1 and 1, and others. But what about the love notes that he's left us? What about the promises that he's made us? Do we ever pour our hearts out to God, thanking him for the love and kindness that he's written to us? Or do we only respond to part of his text? My pastor said recently that the Holy Ghost is our Sabbath. It's our rest, our safe haven. I don't know about you, but I wrestle with anxiety more than I'd like to admit. And my husband is my safe place. 
He's been that way since we started dating. So how much more is God my safe place because I am his betrothed and he mine? One day, there will be a wedding between Christ and his bride. He doesn't want his bride to be unfaithful to him. He doesn't want his bride to only tolerate him. He wants a bride who is in love with him, who will worship him. He wants a spotless, and honestly, ladies, how many times did you check your dress before you walked down the aisle just to make sure there wasn't any dirt or stains or snags on it? Our relationship with God matters because it's what's going to save us. Acts 2.38 says to repent and be baptized, every one of us, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Once we've been baptized in Jesus' name and we've received the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in tongues, all that is is accepting God's proposal. Every day we have to make a conscious effort to communicate with our beloved. Every day we have to determine to work for our relationship. I would like to formally invite you to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Date to be determined. Thank you so much for listening. Talk soon, Lord willing. But wait, there's more. Happy four-year dating anniversary, Frank. I love you so much.